0: Hello, I'm John Dennis. It's Wednesday the 11th of November. Today, David Cameron has outlined his remedy for what he calls Britain's broken society. In a speech at the Guardian's headquarters, the Tory leader says Labour's big
1: government has squeezed out individuals' sense of civic responsibility. There is less expectation to take responsibility, to work, to stand by the mother of your child, to achieve to engage with your local community. Instead of big government, Cameron's Conservatives want a big society. This then is our new role for the state, galvanizing, catalyzing, prompting, encouraging, and agitating for community engagement and social renewal.
2: Guardian Daily with John Dennis on guardian.co.uk.
0: We're at King's Place in London's King's Cross, home of the Guardian and where the Tory leader David Cameron gave the Hugo Young Lecture last night. This is the sixth annual Hugo Young Lecture. Previous speakers include Gordon Brown and Peter Mandelson. Hugo Young was our senior political commentator and chairman of the Scott Trust which owns the Guardian. In a moment, we'll hear what Guardian columnists Jonathan Friedland, Michael White and Jackie Ashley thought of the speech. First, let's hear David Cameron's diagnosis of what he called Labour's
1: moral failure of creating a system in which it pays not to work. The benefit system was weighted to help single parents the most, but by encouraging parents to live apart, it denies children a stable family home. The tick box inspection regime was designed to improve the quality of social work but by stopping trained professionals from using their discretion, their judgment, it has harmed many children instead of helping them. The big government approach has spawned multiple perverse incentives that either discourage responsibility or actively encourage irresponsibility. Far too many of the people I see in my constituency surgery are, thanks to the state, financially better off if they do the wrong thing rather than the right thing. A couple with no children, where the head of the family works 16 hours a week at minimum wage, would be better off if they both just stopped working and claimed benefits. Parents with a disabled child, many could have more money if they gave up caring, put the child into residential care, than if they went on looking after them at home. The pensioner who saved their whole life gets little or no pension credit, but the person who hasn't saved gets their income topped up. And the elderly person who saved, bought a house and has assets of more than £23,000 has to pay for residential care, sometimes by selling their home, whereas someone who didn't save gets it for free. This is where the moral failure of big government is most evident. We must use the state to remake society. We must use the state to help stimulate social action. Now, social action is already a core part of modern conservatism. When I was elected leader of the Conservative Party almost four years ago, I asked our parliamentary candidates to start undertaking social action projects in their constituencies, mentoring projects, helping with young people, working in schools, setting up links with schools on the other side of the world. Together, today, there are now around 150 of these projects up and down the country. And if we win the election, the role of social action will be transformed. It will become a core part of our policy agenda. Because unless we stimulate social action, we will not create the responsible society that is vital for the success of our policies. Social entrepreneurs and community activists already exist. They want to do more, we will help them to do it. But the big society also needs the engagement of that significant percentage of the population who have no record of getting involved and not much of a desire to do so. The big society demands mass engagement, a broad culture of responsibility, of mutuality, of obligation. How do we bring this about? Now, of course, there are no easy answers. There are no shortcuts, no simplistic levers you can pull. But there are lessons we can learn from the latest academic research, which shows how government, by going with the grain of human nature, can better influence behaviour. The era of big government has run its course. Poverty and inequality have got worse despite Labour's massive expansion of the state. We need new answers now, and they will only come from a bigger society, not a bigger government. And that is why it's now clear to me that the Conservatives, not Labour, are best placed to fight poverty in our country. Thank you very much for listening.
0: I'm with Michael White, Guardian political columnist. Mike, was there anything surprising in this speech?
2: Uh, Not a lot new uh, than I spotted. I thought uh, the tone was interesting. The most striking thing about it was, if you compare his... Uh, government is the problem. Government created this mess, rhetoric, of only a month or so ago at the Conservative conference in Manchester. He's now revised this position. That speech didn't go down particularly well and uh, didn't do very well in, in the polls. a bit too anti-government, anti-state. People, when the markets are collapsing, uh, uh, people uh, look to the state to be the, uh, the people who put an arm around them. So it was much less, it was much more of a revisionist speech. He said, we've got to reshape, remodel the state, not get rid of it, not get rid of government. He said it several times in different ways. That's the first thing I I, I thought about it. Second thing, I thought that Tony Blair could have said most of it, did said most of it, has said it many times. We've tried a lot of these remedies. They're difficult. It's admirable. A lot of what David Cameron said, quite admirable. And gosh, if life were uh, that for the... Bottom 10% of society, they're the people in real trouble. They're the ones who get hit by the recession and the bad education and the lousy jobs and the minimum wage. That's fine if we could do it. Easier said than done, as Blair has discovered. Uh, Brown couldn't have made that speech, but we all know that. We all understand that. He couldn't have made that excellent answer at the end, by the way, either, when uh, Cameron was asked a difficult question about a bill he'd never heard of and say, uh, 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 I'm, a, I'm asked what I'd do, but why we're voting against it. I haven't a clue. He had the confidence, as Blair would have, but Gordon Brown never has to say, "I don't know." A question you get at one of these events, where you are asked why you're not supporting the Citizen Conventions bill, and you've absolutely no idea why you're not supporting the Citizen Conventions bill. A <laughs> final point which struck me so striking. He says, developing his argument about the state, benign and malign and overblown today, he says, said it was generally positive in the 20th century until about 1968. Not what the Tories were saying in 1968, I'm old enough to remember. Uh, And then there's a big gap. To 1997 where he says they start expanding it again, says not a word, I don't think he even uses the words market, let alone free market, let alone privatisation, let alone deregulation, let alone rolling back the state, enormous uh, rolling back of state power, state ownership, state intervention right across industry and society during those intervening years under Mar Thatcher uh, and even John Major, didn't have a word to say about it.
1: We should focus on the causes of poverty as well as the symptoms because that is the best way to reduce poverty in the longer term and I believe we should focus on the gap between the bottom and the middle, not because that's the easy thing to do but because by focusing on those who do not have the chance of a good life is the most important thing to do. David Cameron said his appointment of
0: Debbie Scott, chief executive of the unemployment charity Tomorrow's People, as a conservative peer, was symbolic of his determination to build a stronger civil society and use charities and voluntary organisations to help him get there.
1: very important point is what I call, as I'm here at The Guardian, the Polly Toynbee question, because Polly... Um often accuses, um, says the Conservatives, want to see this expansion of society, of social enterprises, of charities, of local groups, as a sort of cut-price welfare. And it's my life's work to try and convince her that that is not the point. Fergus Drake is director of the UK programme of Save the Children.
3: I think overall it was a very interesting speech. I think the jury is still out on whether the Conservatives are best placed to fight poverty in the UK. We strongly welcome the focus on poverty full stop and closing the gap between the bottom uh, and the middle and and the path to combat poverty as well, families, communities and education. We would have liked to hear more than an aspiration to end child poverty by 2020 and a recommitment to that goal, as well as supporting the child poverty bill that's currently going through Parliament. But overall, a very interesting speech and we look forward to seeing whether the reality will meet the rhetoric should the Conservatives be in power in seven or eight months' time.
0: Stephen Bubb, head of Akivo, uh, asked David Cameron uh, what David Cameron called the Polly Toynbee question, uh, whether the charities and voluntary organisations were just going to step in to fill the void when the state pulled back and creating uh, what he called a a kind of cut-price welfare state, welfare on the cheap. Uh, Are you convinced by David Cameron's uh, assurances that that's not what he's trying to do, he's just trying to create uh, a better quality welfare system.
3: I think overall we're still waiting to see the outputs and the, the kind of meat on the bones of what actually break through Britain and some of the information coming out of the Centre for Social Justice actually looks and feels like. Overall we're very pleased that Cameron and the Conservatives are talking more about poverty and we're very interested in the community focus as well. But I think uh, the devil's going to be in the detail and whether the funds actually get through to the poorest in society who need it most. So, again, the jury's still out on that one.
0: Fergus, many thanks. Let's hear now from Jackie Ashley, another Guardian columnist. Find out what she thought of Cameron's speech.
3: I don't think it was surprising. I
1: think what he did do is he took on his arguments that we heard during the party conference. He'd obviously listened to all the criticisms and he was trying to take his arguments a little bit further. I think some in his own party might even be surprised about some of the things he was saying. I think at the end of the day he talked a very good talk. People came out saying, oh, that was quite impressive. But I think when you sit down and you think about it, your immediate reaction is, well, how's it actually going to work? It's all very well, this idea that uh, the big state is going to start enabling the big society. But I think that requires a huge jump for it really to happen. And I think that is the fundamental question. And whether he's convinced people on that, I'm not sure.
3: Yeah, my name is Brian Lapping. I used to work for The Guardian yeah. quite a few years ago. Um, and now I run a company that makes television programmes. It also runs a service called Teachers TV, which is paid for by the government. Um, I have voted Labour in every election up till now, and I hadn't thought of voting Conservative, ever. That speech made me think again. I thought that was the most serious, thoughtful speech by a Conservative leader that I've ever heard. I was tremendously impressed.
0: Jonathan Freeland, was this speech, as Yvette Cooper claimed earlier, a return to Thatcherism or, or
4: 19th century liberalism? It certainly uh, was not meant to come across as that. Uh, instead, he was very carefully and deliberately tailoring it to his audience. He was trying to tickle the Guardian's tummy, I think. I mean, not only by mentioning the sainted Polly Toynbee, uh, who is the patron saint of all Guardian uh, progressive values, but also just framing his message in a way that would be really challenging to a centre-left progressive audience. He's been doing that generally, even in his conference speech in a funny way, but here he absolutely refined it so that it would discomfort uh, progressives because they would find themselves wanting to nod and find that a very odd experience coming from a conservative leader. So he, for example, did try and say, look, the state sometimes has done good things on poverty and equality conceding the ground of the entire 1930s to the 1960s which of course means including the Attlee government which is crucial for Labour people saying I accept they did good things that's a very big thing for a Tory leader to be doing Uh, and then saying but it's only recently that the state's come aground so he's trying to almost meet Guardian type people, Labour people, centre-left people, liberals, progressives, halfway, saying I accept the goals you have, more progressive society, I even accepted the means at some point, but those means uh, have sort of come unstuck and we need to find a new way. So he's really was, throw- this wasn't just an olive branch to the Guardian community, this was the whole tree, uh, he was really trying to, uh, to, to reach out to us.
0: Was this idea of the state facilitating the provision of services, rather than directly providing them,
4: anything new? Not really. This has been his message, and to his credit, really from the beginning, he's never really found a, a, a useful slogan for it. He labours under this phrase social responsibility, which doesn't quite uh, capture it, and he's now trying out this thing of big society, small state but big society, uh, and, 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 and teeing up the notion that the state is not just will not just retreat but as you say will be this play this enabling role. the idea in some ways he has been saying that, but it, the fact that he gave it put it front and center in this speech, I think shows that in some ways the critique from the center left has hit home. He, ha, he has been stung I think by this idea that uh, oh you're just saying the state should get out of the way and society will miraculously spring up and he addressed that directly to mock it saying i don't think that it's not going to be like uh, you know rehydrating frozen food uh you will have to do more and i felt that he was sort of again compromising by saying that uh, but he still sticks to this idea that the uh, and i think there'll, there will be some contradictions there to unpick you know simultaneously saying the statistics to pull back but actually we're going to use the state to remake society, which actually is the sort of goal that Labour people would once have come up with and Tories would have mocked them for, social engineering using the state to remake society. Nevertheless, that is what he was uh, talking about. I thought one thing was uh, also significant, was him conceding that, uh, and this again showed respect to his audience, which is very clever, that the notion of believing in a small uh, uh, state, an enabling state, and uh, and of a local, uh, decentralised society that that has been part of Labour thinking too. He didn't try and claim that all for himself. This has been something resented by some people, centre-less progressives. I would include myself in this because uh, that actually was a big part of Labour tradition. The old friendly societies, mutual fund, mutual uh, societies, uh, trade unions, uh, etc. poor funds in the Victorian age and he was conceding, OK, that was part of the left's tradition. So all the way along tonight I think what he was doing was to give ground in order to make his own message more and more appealing to progressives what will happen is uh, progressives will go back they'll examine it and again asking those tough questions which is we like where you want to go in theory we just don't believe that really cutting back the state in the way he describes is is sufficient to to achieve the goals he now says he in common with uh, progressives uh, shares this was the Hugo Young lecture. What do you think Hugo Young would have made of David Cameron? It's a really good question, and I have to say it was something I was thinking about during the speech. Um, Hugo Young was no knee-jerk Labour person. He wasn't tribal in the way that some Guardian colonists are or were. He wasn't a tribal Labour person. He was uh, often in some ways a small L liberal. I think he'd have been very intrigued by David Cameron and, uh, and would have found some of this very appealing. Um, and the, the notion of values, the importance of family, I think he would have uh, struck a few chords with Hugo Young. So I think he would have been uh, really intrigued by him and I think I wouldn't uh, I think it's possible uh, he would have been even more than intrigued but uh, it would be wrong to uh, to attempt to give on his behalf some kind of endorsement. I think he would have held back on that. He probably would have wanted to see what they're like in government. I have to say this is what I was feeling. I was thinking you talk a pretty good talk Mr Cameron uh, and the test will be if you can uh, turn this into reality in government. If you did, a whole lot of people on the left would have to reconfigure their whole belief system. A whole lot of tribal people would have to reconsider their tribal affiliation. It would be a huge realignment of British politics if what he said tonight was to be made real. Uh, but the uh, probably the uh, uh, veteran commentator of the kind, the sceptical commentator of the kind that Hugo Young was, would have been holding back, waiting to see the colour of David Cameron's money before offering him something as valuable nay precious as a Hugo Young endorsement so he would have held back and I think probably we should all hold back.
0: Jonathan Freeland many thanks. Well that's it from King's Place where David Cameron the Tory leader laid out his case for strengthening civic institutions and rolling back the state. Today's edition of Guardian Daily was produced by Phil Maynard my name's John Dennis and thank you for listening.